Welcome to Offstage with Jordan Baylor, where you'll discover the stories behind the movers and shakers in the entertainment and business world. Now here's your host, Jordan Baylor. Hi, welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. And this is simply put, one of my favorite interviews that I've ever conducted. This guy is like one of the coolest people I've ever met that I didn't know prior to interviewing. And it's episodes like these why I do this show. It opens my mind and opens my world to people that are game changers and world builders. This episode is for anyone who is looking to build a startup, has any interest in copywriting, content marketing, or likes to hear about the power of compounding work. Simply put, if you stick with something, it will work. I got the opportunity to interview Mike Consolo from the company Radio.co and Podcast.co. He is the chief marketing officer. And in the interview, we broke down how he got his start in marketing and, and, and covered how he has continually grown the companies, turning them into seven-figure companies. So without further ado, I bring to you my interview with Mike Consolo. Hi, welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. I have on the line Mike Consolo. He is the writer of the newsletter Many Peers and the chief marketing officer and one of the co-founders of the SaaS site podcast.co, which provides user-friendly podcast hosting, making uploading and hosting podcasts damn near dummy-proof. Uh, I personally use it to host this podcast and many more podcasts in the near future. So today's episode, we'll be talking to Mike how are you doing today, Mike? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Great. Yeah. It's pretty unprecedented yeah, I, times at the moment, but yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You're not lying. Like, it feels like everything's burning down outside. Yeah. I'm just inside recording a podcast. <laughs> everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to start off every episode by asking who is Mike? Okay, so I am the CMO and co-founder of Podcast.co, like you mentioned. We also um, recently launched Matchmaker FM, which helps podcasters and guests connect to each other. Um, yeah, and that's kind of currently what I'm focused on. Um, you also mentioned the Many Peers newsletter that I run. So that's effectively kind of looking at um, events and the future of, of events and audience engagement. And just generally, that's kind of something that I've always been interested in, how you engage an audience around a product or a service and how you then grow that community. That's something that I've, yeah, I've always had a kind of natural interest in that, uh, even going back to kind of the work that I was doing prior to this. So I guess I'm prior to podcast.co, a matchmaker, um, but for a few different companies. So me, John, Aaron, and James, who are kind of like the kind of, main team on podcast we've worked together on numerous companies that james founded originally and um, one was cdnfi which we then sold to a company called ssl.com and um, we have another company called radio.co um which is like live audio streaming um which is kind of like a company we, we launched it in 2015 it's doing incredibly well at the moment um you know we're certainly like in terms of the vast majority of online live radio streaming is happening through radio.co. And that's wow. kind of a evolution of a company that James started when he was still at school. Um, so yeah. And then that's kind of what we've been working on over the kind of like last 
five to eight years. Prior to that, I worked um, in advertising mainly, and I worked I worked on a lot of multi-platform projects they were called at the time. So they were the kind of online complementary experiences that sat alongside TV shows. Uh, and then prior to that, I I made music and was in a band. Uh, and that, oh, that's wow. it. Yeah, that, that, that's a kind so of. So you were in a band. What what was your entry point into marketing? Was it was it copywriting or was it... production more actually production and strategy? So I had been in a band for a few years. We'd done released some records, done a bit of touring, and I was making just silly videos. So it was quite kind of um, light hearted, kind of jokey music. Mm-hmm. Um, almost kind of bordering on comedy stuff that we did. Um, and just off the back of that, I was making a lot of some kind of silly, funny videos. And then I started making some of those kind of videos for bands and different club nights. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of got into then making funny bits and pieces for different late record labels and then agencies. I think the first commercial work I did was um, I made um, a website for george for arthur baker as in the the dj okay um and then yeah and then it just kind of like flowed from there quite naturally really like my whole career has just been a natural progression i've sort of done something that's interested me i've then an opportunity has come about through that and i've met people and and just done different things really wow it's so organic and it it started so you started kind of doing marketing for your band really yeah what you were yeah, and then it kind of just spilled over into turning it into like a career for yourself. Yeah, basically. So your experience is like really strong in, in content marketing and, and and crafting crafting basically content for other people's consumption. Yeah. You know, I, how do you stay you know in a positive mindset and, and stay interested while other people are like consistently you know because you're constantly creating for other people's enjoyment. I mean, do you derive joy from like how people react to it or is it the creation of the content that brings you joy? Like, what is it? Um, I guess, I mean, like, I guess nowadays I don't even get to produce as much of the content as we used to. So previously, like going about five years ago, I was producing content like all day long. Now mm. I'm kind of more in a position where I'm managing other people producing the content. Um, mm. I still like to do things as well. Like, so um, like the Many Peers newsletter thing was just like me sort of making myself do something. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's... Um, I think it's important to just kind of keep creating things all the time. I've always been kind of a creative person. I've always enjoyed doing things. I I really enjoy thinking about people's mindsets, working out what is it that they're trying to achieve and what hurdles are they facing and then crafting sort of content or an experience that then helps them solve that, that solve that problem that they're facing. So I, I kind of, I find that kind of quite a rewarding process personally. So I guess it's kind of helping, it's understanding the problems that people are having and then trying to create things to help them solve those problems. I like that. I like that. I kind of want to go back to the beginning. I was thinking, you know, about the growth tactics, maybe like, like I was thinking about maybe the growth tactics you were using to grow with podcast.co, but it seems like podcast.co is like a spillover of radio.co. 
.com or is it .co? .co, it's .co as well, yeah. .co. Yeah. Um, how did you guys gain traction when you guys started Radio.co and then was a lot of the momentum for Radio.co, did that help build Podcast.co or was that like starting at ground level of uh, both times? Yeah, it's been really interesting. So the evolution from Radio.co to Podcast.co to Matchmaker has been really interesting. Um, Radio.co we launched it and was an instant success. And like I said, it's because um, for a number of years, James had been working in this kind of online radio market, which at the time was very fragmented. And what we did with radio.co is we housed all of those fragmented experiences under one product. And I, we were kind of one of the first to do it well. Um, and so it just took off really straight away and then it's grown and grown and grown. And, you know, there's more and more brands, big brands, you know, starting radio stations. It's, it's been really interesting. It's a, the growth of radio.co really is product market fit, you know, and then, a, and then a solid organic content strategy. That's how we've grown it. You know, we just hit every single potential keyword or query that people might have around online radio and we've just like consumed as many of them as we can um and so that's just been a very natural organic process and it just complements it's the fact that it's obviously a product that people want and we've could we purposely kept the product simple um the whole time as well on the podcast side of things. So then because we're doing live audio streamers, obviously we're then getting demand to do podcasting as well. So it kind of was like a natural evolution. So we started building it. Um, we spent about a year building it probably. It just sort of internally and then just letting some of our kind of radio.co customers use it. So we had a private beta running for quite a long time. We oh, wow. instantly, because we were building that in the background, we we basically built the content strategy up over for, for about a year before we officially launched. So when we officially launched, we already had a solid sort of content strategy. And again, it's because we looked at what we'd done with Radio.co and we were looking at all the other podcast hosts out there and thinking, well, actually, none of them are doing this like organic content strategy very well at all. Now, since, since we launched Podcast.co, quite a few of the other kind of podcast hosts have started you know ramping up the content strategy so it's been interesting to see um with podcast.co though there's a kind of additional business model in that we're not just sort of doing SaaS, you know software subscriptions we also have a production side of it so we we're the exclusive partner of rock nation so we produce all of their podcasts um, wow. for all of their artists so we've got some really Congrats. yeah thank you because so we've got some really big things coming up at the moment so Really, it has two business models. It has a SaaS software business model. And on the flip side of it, we have a kind of agency services model that we that we do on podcast.co. So they, they've been kind of different So because we've actually done a lot of outreach on that business development side of stuff. So, you know, we've like identified brands, record labels that we've wanted to approach and say, right, these we think these guys would be good to produce podcast for us and, and we've just gone out there and tried to win that business so there's been kind oh. of two different things going on there and then matchmaker you know like i said so effectively it's it's like tinder for podcasters that's the kind of um quick and easy way of putting it um and 
with that, we've not done any organic marketing, which has been really interesting for us. So literally the marketing website is two pages. It's the homepage and mm -hmm. it's the, um, we've just launched a sort of service to provide outsourced social media production for people who are on the matchmaker platform. Um, but the majority of that, you know, the, the, the outreach and the, the building of the community around that product has just been solely reaching out to people, like identifying people that we think would be interested in using the product, whether they want to be a guest or, a, you know, have guests on their show and then just reaching out to them. And we've done that with sort of using this automated tool and we've scaled that. So we identify batches of people, run them through the system, system outreaches to them. And then ideally they create an account. So it's been a very different sort of um, growth strategy that we've employed um, on Matchmaker. And it's been really interesting because normally, you know, we used to like on podcast.co and radio.co, there's thousands of pages on those sites because we've got so many articles in there. And whereas on, on, on Matchmaker, we have two pages. So it's been really interesting, like as a process to do something different. It seems like it's far less work uh, to launch the matchmaker, like less of a yeah. marketing headache. <laughs> yeah, it is. Absolutely. I mean, it's been really interesting that we've scaled it. Um, I'm not quite sure what the numbers are as of today, but last time I looked, um, I've been on holiday for a couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. Prior to that, it was, you know, we we onboarded like 3,000 people in the first couple of months. Yeah, I, I um, first saw it on Product Hunt. And then when I joined, there was maybe like, 20 people mm. and i was like oh this is going to be big because i saw the problem you guys were solving yeah. i was like oh yeah this is going to grow fast <laughs> and then every time i come back it's more and more people on the platform I'm like this is cool yes because it solves such a big problem you know yeah i think this is like overall the feedback we've got from people has been really positive so it's exciting it's nice to sort of have that kind of instant reaction from people and you know we're just kind of looking at what what additional tools can we build now to help people, you know, with that pain point that they have, like you said? Mm, yes, definitely. Definitely. Because, like, I remember when I first was starting to launch this person, this podcast right here, I had such a problem, like, with the um, the the other, you know, podcast hosting platforms that they said you should use. And I came across you guys on, on AppSumo. And you guys like erased all the problems that I was having on um, like Buzzsprout or, you know, another, a couple other ones. Like it was just a headache trying to get them on different, trying to get the podcast on different platforms or it was like a limit with the uploads for each episode. And it was just a pain. But I have to ask, it, it takes, it seems like it takes like an almost absurd amount level of confidence to deep dive into like an industry that has these uh, companies that have been around for like 20 plus years. And then, you know, like, what does it take internally to say, you know, podcast.co can stake its claim in the market? You know, how do you, how did your team come out and differentiate yourself? And, and what beliefs did you uh, think at the beginning of the journey? So, I mean, I guess, yeah, you have to have some confidence in kind of what you're doing. Um, I think, the way that we approach things generally is to think about problems that people are having. So this is kind of going back to the content strategy stuff I was talking about before. Yeah. You know, we, we do the same thing with the product. You know, we look at problems people are having and we think, how can we create something that, you know, solves that particular pain point for them? And then from that, you carve your market ultimately. 
Wow. Uh, so, so how did you you guys use content to gain your first thousand like people on the platform? Like, how did you? Yeah, we away? we were we were writing. Like I said, we were writing content on podcast.co for a year before we actually launched a product. Oh, so it was just like a regular just blog, and Basically. you guys were saying that we're gonna yeah you know, like yeah uh, we had oh. like a kind of sort of semi holding page on the front page. I think maybe the very first iteration of the site was literally just like articles. It was just a blog with nothing else. So we were just beginning to rank authority on that site on that domain straight away, um, you know. And then from that, because you're then talking to people, you then start identifying pain points, you know. Because this is the thing: like what we find with Radio.co is there's no one out there answering questions for people. And this is the same with podcasting. People have all these questions; they don't have a company that they can turn to and get an answer from. And so like with Radio.co, we always found that people were coming to us who weren't even our customers and asking us technical questions because they knew that like we were really good at helping them answer those questions. So we figured, well, if we just do the same thing with podcasting, that's going to just work naturally. Wow. That is like eye-opening to, to think that you guys started a year before you even launched. I know you had the beta where you were using, you were onboarding like people from Radio.co onto the platform and kind of letting them break it and figure out where the bugs were. But to think like you guys just had a blog and you were just helping people. You weren't even asking for any money yet. You were just helping the people that are running in the issues and then said, hey, we have a product that's going to solve all your solutions. I mean, that, that's actually pretty ingenious way of, uh, and it gives you time to kind of gain traction for your actual product and see what it is that the market even needs. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty brilliant. You know, that's because this is the thing. You can you can solve problems just through written words. We don't have to go and build a product. You know, it's like building a product's hard. You know, mm-hmm. the building like even a, bit, a simple product, SaaS product is difficult. It's not an easy thing to do. And um, writing an article is relatively simple. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Sock Season. I have a pair of their unisex essential star quality socks and man, they are comfortable. They truly are. They, they, they come in like weird, funky, cool colors. And I'm not just saying this because they paid me. I'm saying it because I'm a big sock guy and I hate socks that fall apart after a few washes or they're cheap or they're, they're tight around the toe or they hurt around the ankle. I've experienced a lot of different socks, and a lot of these companies are cutting corners. I've gotten socks from H&M, different department stores, and quite frankly, I feel like I've gotten beaten a lot of times because I no longer wear the socks, and after a few washes, they either rip, or they shrink, or I lose a pair, or I lose one of the socks. Those two are on me, but sometimes they're warped and they just lose their shape. But the cool thing about sock season is Sock Season has a unique 30-day wash guarantee, which covers socks bought within the first 30 days. Like, if you buy them and they fall apart within the first 30 days, they will replace them. No questions asked. Which is crazy, but that's how much they believe in their socks. So, go to www.SockSeason.com S-O-C-K-S-E-A-S-O-N.com Use coupon code OFFSTAGE for 25% off your first order and tell them Jordan sent you because every day is sock season. Wow. 
Wow. I, I, I'm glad you said that because so many people feel like to become an entrepreneur or, or solve problems that they have to go out and, and get all this venture capital funding to make this, like you said, software or, or an app that's going to make a car show up at your house or, you know, just like, yeah. <laughs> like we never think that like, you know, our words or, or, or uh, advice could actually solve other people's problems. And people, you know, people look over, they overcomplicate problems. They go, oh, it can't be that simple. Like, you know, but yeah, you can build a whole business just by giving people good advice. That's it. Absolutely. And the thing is like, you know, once you identify, you know, these kind of problems, you help people solve those problems. If if you do then want to create a software product that people will park cash for, the likelihood of that succeeding is far, far greater. You've already got your audience. You've already got, you know, what it is that they want, what it is that they need. Hmm. So the company has so many moving parts and, and features. What was the first thing that Podcast.co focused on? Um, I, th- I guess the initial, the absolute initial thing that when we launched or when we were sort of working it out, we realized, that, okay, the major pain point here is how do I get my podcast onto all of these platforms? So uh, in hindsight, we could have probably launched six months earlier if we just launched as a tool for distributing your podcasts. And we could have done that, but in the end, we kind of like doing that with our hostings kind of creates more problems down the line. So we just basically built the hosting thing out straight away, but then ran with it as a, you know, if you want to sort of host a podcast and easily get it distributed to these places, then we're the people to go with. That was kind of like the initial sort of messaging. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's definitely a huge problem that I found um, when I first started looking for a podcast host. Um, who, who, what was the company? They're like they have like like twenty plus years in the game of podcast hosting. I can't remember their name. Uh, it wasn't uh, Libsyn? Libsyn, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with them, and man, it was just a headache. They kept telling me all my podcasts were too big, and I was just like, I had to like, it was a headache. I was on there like two hours trying to figure out how to upload one episode, and I'm not like a dumb technical, I'm like a pretty technical person. Like, I understand this stuff, and then I jumped on AppSumo, and then I immediately like bought you guys product, and I had my, I had three episodes uploaded in like 10 minutes, and I was like, this company is genius, (laughs) and and then, like, I found out that you guys and, and, and Matchmaker were, like, related. And I was like, wow, what is this company? And the more I dug into the company, I kept seeing the different features and the articles were actually helpful. I was like, wow, they make it so simple. Like, I mean, I didn't really have a question for that. I just thought you guys were just killing it, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> we are, like, you know, we're, we're, we're attempting to build our own ecosystem. That is, you know, that is what we're doing. Yeah. So as a marketer, like what's your golden rule that you abide by? Like something you carry with you to every project? I keep keep things simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Okay. I mean I can I can see that in, in the in the in the company. I can definitely see yeah, that. Yeah, and then like in terms of the product as well, just keep the product simple. You know, this is what you were saying. It's like that simplicity is what you found. You know, that's how we converted you into a customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's just like this is like this has been ingrained in us because of radio.co because it's so complicated launching and running a radio station before radio.co anyway. It's like you just get everything else out of the way. There's all these things that people sort of you know 
questions that they have which drag them one way or the other. So like, if you just keep them focused on the initial primary thing is how do I do this thing? Once you've done that thing, you then move them on to the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. So that's how you keep things simple is don't overwhelm them with stuff to start with. Because like, you know, once you've like, once you start digging into things, things do things are complicated and there are lots of moving parts, like you say. But the trick to it is to make it seem simple on the surface for people. So, you know, they've got a question. Answer that question with this one bullet point and then show them the next bullet point and then the next one and the next one. Don't show them all 20 bullet all twenty bullet points at once. And that makes sense. I don't know. But. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. It's like drip feeding so- to people. So you you um the first project you work with your your uh, business partner your co-founder like the CEO that was it was radio.co if I'm not mistaken or was it the project before it that was, you were It was um CDNFI so uh, CDNFI Yeah so but we sold that so I came on board to work on CDNFI um we worked on that for a couple of years and then we sold it to ssl.com that it was basically a content delivery network and we used the knowledge of having built a content delivery network we then use that knowledge and applied that to radio streaming and thought right why because basically everyone in the radio streaming industries they're using 25 year old technologies called shoutcast it's all just completely outdated um and so what we did is we basically built a cdn version of a live audio streaming service so it bounces from server to server so you never get any downtime which is like a major issue when you're um, when you're doing live audio streaming. It seems like these companies, they get to the top and then they feel like they're the only choice forever and they don't improve their product. Mm, yeah. And you got, yeah. And you guys are constantly focusing. Is 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 that just uh, because you guys started as an underdog and now you guys are like kind of, you know, working your way to the top, but you still kind of have that underdog mentality? Is that, is, you guys carry that with you in business? I guess so. Yeah, to an extent. Like we're not... Um... It's funny, like, you know, because obviously now we're working with Rock Nation on the podcast.co side of things, like all of a sudden, so many doors open to you. Like the minute you say we're Rock Nation's partner, they're like, oh, come in, sit down. Have a drink. <laughs> it's like It definitely opens doors that were previously closed to us. Wow. So to get like the legitimacy in the, or like the head nod from Rock Nation, I mean, that's just years of work that somebody that a big corporation like Rock Nation just kind of nods and was like, OK, you guys are ready to handle us. Yeah. I mean, that, that's got to feel like validation, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're a really cool company to work with, actually. They're very kind of, you know, um, they're a big company. You know, they're dealing with a lot of artists, um, a lot of sports mm-hmm. people. So they've got like loads of things going on, loads of like different departments different people they own so many different companies and stuff as well mm-hmm. um but they're also really really like cool and easy to work with as well but in a sense they're kind of, i mean if you think about their business at, at a time people used to really doubt that business when they first started as well so i, I guess they can kind of look at podcast.co or radio.co and be like okay yeah we can <laughs> that was us a few years ago like you know we were underdogs yeah absolutely know. People just assume it, like, because I remember when I think they first started signing the first big, uh, like, sports artist or not sports artist, but like their sports athletes. People were like, "Well, who are they to, you know, do deals for athletes?" It's like it's all the same. It's negotiation. Like, what is the big deal between negotiating for a, a artist contract or a 
sports athletes kind of i mean it's the same it's all it kind of is isn't it i mean enough like yeah outside of rock nation previously all of this work went to one of two companies it's like caa and is it caa and william morris i think it's called yeah yeah so well so basically for for years those two companies were just basically fighting for the same pool of work and then what rock nation did is they just kind of drove a wedge through all of that so that's you know that's smart business strategy really wow you really kind of got my head spinning when you were talking about just like solving a problem and you don't even necessarily have to come up with a product for that you just solve problems for people just through the written word yeah i mean that is that is the most powerful i mean a lot of businesses get hung up on content marketing but they get caught up in the sense like look at how popular i am but you kind of come from the sense of like look how i help people is is that how it originally started for you? Like you just wanted to help people and then a byproduct of that was money or Yeah, traction? yeah, I guess so. Um I mean like in in terms of like my very first kind of steps into forging a for any form of career, um it was just about doing stuff that interests me and learning things and then thinking, oh, okay, I've worked that out. I wonder if anyone would be interested in what I've worked out, <laughs> you know? And Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's how I, that's how I, I like to not know how things work because then that sort of makes me sit down and work them out, you know? And then if if you you can sort of break that stuff down and then explain that to people, other people will will probably find that useful ultimately i think like people generally have a problem or not a problem but people have difficulty with visualizing how abstract things fit together because by nature they're abstract mm-hmm. and i've always found that quite fun not knowing how things fit together so in my my head i'm try to then construct a, a sort of narrative almost I'm really similar to that. I'm really similar to that. And I'm just kind of realizing that I know how to do a lot of things. Mm. I just, I don't maybe help people as much as I think I probably can. So you kind of like laying out that, you know, your idea. Because, you know, sometimes you do stuff and then, yeah, I'm sure it's happened to you. You know, sometimes you know how to do a lot of things or you've learned how to do a lot of things over the course of being in business for so many years that like you might look on something that you learned six years ago and it's not new to you anymore. So it's like, yeah, I know how to do it, but it's not, you know, big. But like, you know, somebody on the outside looking in was like, I don't know how to do any of that, you know? And you're like, oh, it's not hard because you just have to do this, this, and this because you have that experience because you went through it. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, you kind of like when you do a lot of things, you kind of have that in your head. And then you realize that like, yo, this experience, I can teach other people this and it would help them. But like, you don't think much of it because you've gone through it and it wasn't a you know big deal <laughs> when it happened to you. So I think that's exactly that, right. Yeah. 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 So just kind of having that, like having you say those words, it kind of opened up my mind and be like, wow, you, you have done like a lot of stuff. You can help a lot of people with your um, experiences. That's it. And uh, I, yeah, I think a lot of people need to hear that as well. Yeah. And then, you know, cause this is it. It's like, it's, it's like you say, it's very easy to do stuff and then you put it in a box mm-hmm. and then it sits there in that box, but you're right. You might as well just take that box and throw it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Take that box, throw it on the internet. Nah. I love it. I love it. I just want to like wrap up and and, and I was first off I want to thank you for your time. But, yeah, but how can the people get get in touch with you? Um I mean you head to podcast.co if you've got any podcast related questions. Jump on the chat there. You can email me directly at mike at podcast.co as well. Um yeah, that that's mainly or on Twitter as well. I'm at Mr. Consolo on Twitter. <laughs> Mr. Consolo. I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. Thank you for your time, Mike. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Throw your, really throw your ideas. Yeah, it was really fun. Throw your ideas in a box and put it on the internet. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Gotta put in the t shirt. Thank you for listening to Offstage with Jordan Baylor. Now go forth and create.